0: So in the meditation we're just finding a time and a place to, uh, within ourselves, within what we experience directly, so the hallmark, the real mark of meditation is, or the meditative mind is to have direct experience rather than interpretations, ideas about yourself, about the future, the past, what you should, could, can't, won't, never have, and so forth, this spinning of thoughts, and so we actually do have a a mind that experiences things very directly, immediately, and then generally, uh, people are educated, immediately that there's a thought comes up after it but before the thought so it's always coming to the mind before the thought occurs very fresh so what's so regenerative about meditation is uh, coming to something quality of awareness in yourself is very fresh right? beginner's mind they call it it's like a, a mind before you've got yourself figured out Mind before you know what to do. A mind before you've decided how things should be or what's going to happen. It's a kind of innocent, open mind. Requires a kind of faith, sense of let's give it a try. What's it like? So first you have to acknowledge. Uh, most of the time we are thinking about this, that and the other so spending time is clearing the, s- the surface of it you come into place and leaving your concerns outside the door and just for this period of time, it doesn't matter, the rest of the world doesn't matter you can pick it up again when you go out yeah some of the topics we can just decide to shelve for now. Because of course uh, they tend to keep coming back because we live on those shelves most of the time. Direct yourself, your attention to something else. Direct your attention, for example, to the direct experience you're having of your body sitting here, make it something that is very conscious, make it something that is poised, the back is straight upright. upright are really opening the body up, making it awake, available, opening the chest. Relaxing your shoulders, drawing your body up from the waist as if you're as if, almost as if you're hanging upside down. How that would feel when you how your back would straighten that way. Feel the fullness of a breath, make your breathing something that has a completeness to it. The so full breath, so you're breathing all the way out first of all. So that you breathe if you breathe all the way out, you feel this muscle, the diaphragm muscle flexing. See if you can get your diaphragm, your belly to relax completely it's just sinking back towards your spine gently emptying all the air in your body feel the moment when it seems to stop and pause wait until there's a Pressure coming up, pulling, as your belly swell. So you keep the breathing down in your belly because this will help to keep your chest relaxed and also to keep your, your abdomen upright so you're not sort of folding over. So this breath body, this breath belly acts as a kind of a a foundation, a soft foundation, but at the same time quite firm, You still sort of sit on top of that. You use that flexing strength of the breathing in your belly to support your upper body, hold you up straight. Keep your eyes open, or have your eyes half open, so if you're feeling Shifting energies, you feel a bit giddy or spaced out, or whatever you. And your eyes half open or slightly open, but keeping the gaze relaxed as if you are looking at the horizon. This also will tend to diminish the amount of thinking that's going on. The body, the sensations of your body lead your mind rather than the other way round, so you're not trying to make it any particular way, apart from to ask it to be predominant and so you bring your body to the fore. <coughs> it's not in the background, behind your thoughts, but it's in front. It's the most important thing. And this column, this this uh breath, body moving within you is your support. It's also got a lot of energy in it. When you breathe in, you get this steady rising up of energy. You can feel it sometimes coming under your collarbones, up your neck, your face, as if it's, it's as if it's bathing your face from the inside, let all your eyes, head, Temples, mouth, relax. Just let yourself be bathed, be filled by the breath. And you can maybe you can detect a certain flush, or tingling that occurs when you soften your face muscles, relax, and feel the breathing. you breathe out it's a very cooling sort of softening quality Give it the kind of attention as if you just discovered it. Perhaps you just have. You want to know what it really is. It's really happening from moment to moment. It's a supple, moving, changing thing. your thinking mind engaged, as if you're reading a book, and just carefully reading off the experiences, it's not a speculative thought, it's directed, where's the breathing now, what's it feel like, is it swelling, pushing, cool, warm, bright, falling, How's it affecting your whole body? Keep that sense of gentle inquiry into something, the direct experience of it. Whenever your mind, thinking mind, spins off, just ask the question: Where is the breathing now? How is it? it's actually never the same from one moment to the next, it's a changing thing. Then maybe your attention is quite sharp. Like a hunter. Someone very keen and alert. Get a certain energy with that sort of sharp, bright. Maybe your attention is a little foggy, fuzzy. Uh, we have to work with it. It's a finite. It's a faculty that changes for us, depending on our energies, our moods, our primarily our energies.
1: You know.
0: But just the quality of even just applying attention, however fuzzy or foggy it is, just the quality of applying it brings up the right kind of intention or attitude and you're aware, you're you're fully conscious of what's going on, conscious of how you're feeling, it's a kind of revelation, you're not somewhere else, you're with that, sometimes you feel bad, sometimes you feel good, but the quality of awareness allows these Feelings, energies, moods, they just flow through and they start to settle. Now, don't get caught in them, just keep your intention and attention from getting caught. So notice the feeling, just the feeling, thoughts, the thoughts. Coming back to something you can directly feel, your breathing your body. Notice that you can notice, and you can be aware. Quality awareness is very much uh, supported by patience, and by non-aversion, kindness, and by letting go, putting aside what's not necessary or what's unhelpful just letting go starting again this is really what uh, keeps your awareness open, fresh whether it's good things are good, bad, succeeding, failing just aware of that don't let that mood or assessment take over notice it Breathe through it, develop a sense of kindness. Just as if you're listening, as if you're uh, somebody's favourite grandmother, listening to all this, uh, way we seem to be, with a very spacious, patient heart. You've heard all this before, it's no big thing. And this really is our best friend. When you're attentive to the present, when you're in tension, is just to witness, to be with, to work with. This quality of awareness becomes more apparent. It's our best friend. Quality of heart, quality of spaciousness. Notice the moment when the sound stops, your attention goes to the sound, and then the sound stops, your attention hears the silence. Hmm. You can be aware of that. Everything begins, ends, comes and goes, changes. more equanimous to it all this quality of heart of equanimity dispassion spaciousness it's to get you in touch with something even more Fundamental and uh, precious, which is the sense of a steady presence. You know, wherever you are, here you are. Wherever you are, here you are. Things change, thoughts, feelings. Wherever you are, here you are. There's something kind of grounded, calm about that. She you can't ever say what that is, whatever you say comes and goes, here you are, behind it all, present with it all. get a touch of that or a sense of that, then you can say you really have experienced the breadth of your mind, your thoughts, your warmth, your heart, and your grounded presence. And then we've begun to start establishing foundation freedom. So as we come out of the meditation session, we can gain take a few long deep breaths, notice how your feelings are different, how it's changed, how you've been through a journey for half an hour. Let's see if your energies have shifted or how it's been it
1: mm-hmm.
0: is how you sense yourself a general impression of being here Bigger, smaller. Well, it feels fuller, emptier. Slower, faster. That's how it's how it is, how you get your initial experience being here we'll try to stay with that and as you uh, open your eyes, let your eyes open slowly without losing that let it reduce. you see if you're meeting the world for the first time give yourself so a few moments to adjust the sights sense of being in a room with other people. So, this meditation is a curious activity, and uh, why we do it. Maybe it's kind of to give us some peace, sharpen our attention. We look for some kind of results from sitting here, breathing in, breathing out using the mind, bearing focus, bearing witness to what's going on. Right, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like there's a, what we call the rising of some kind of faith. And you say faith doesn't mean belief in or conviction in something, but a sense of we're looking for something meaningful in our lives, so that um, that's what we all want, something meaningful, something that's going to be useful for our welfare, that's the basic thing that keeps us going, isn't it? Whether we're working, learning, enjoying ourselves, being with other people, we want it to be something that's worthwhile, giving us, you know, a good feeling in the short run or a good feeling in the long run, for our well for a benefit. You know? And uh, when that, as that becomes more apparent, we think also that quality then starts to overflow into the benefit of others because uh, we begin to it's very obvious that we don't exist in a vacuum we always exist in relationship to other people we are by nature we are beings who sense each other who feel warm and affectionate towards each other or feel frightened of each other or feel concerned for each other You know, we don't have to do this it happens naturally it's the way we're built we're wired up to relationships, to sensing other human beings. So, though meditation in a way is, seems to be doing things on your own, it's going into yourself, actually the results of it must always affect other people because it affects your mind and your awareness, then that is naturally going to affect the way you speak, act, sense, feel comfortable, feel kind, feel relaxed, feel at ease, or however with other people yeah, so it's natural because it naturally just as our awareness overflows into contact with others into concern and interest with others so the results of meditation always will bring that, will cause that to occur yeah? Yeah. so it's, uh, it's an interesting activity because actually what we're doing is we're servicing ourselves Yeah, and one of the um, kind of curious features of being a human being is uh, particularly in this time that uh, we do a lot of things, we do a lot of stuff, we work, we act, we speak, do things for the welfare of others or for fun or whatever. We don't necessarily really look after the basic um, source of it all the source of what we do source of our energy you might say so we're thinking about things where do thoughts come from we don't necessarily look after or give attention to the source of the mind our inner world our centre caught up, we're very much involved with things going on around us externally the future, the past, other people and so forth we're not always giving much attention to the looking after ourselves it's rather like if you have a car and often people look after their cars better than they do themselves so if you have a car then you probably wash it now and then clean it up and you maybe take it to a garage get the engine overhauled take the wheels off put some grease on the axle you know, clean the, clean the, clean the carburetor put new brake linings on it At that time the car we're not involved with, the car's not involved with driving anywhere carrying anyone going anywhere fast you're just, just kind of servicing it and uh, when you come down to yourself do you ever take your wheels off Are you always on the go? Do you ever switch the engine off, or are you always you're driving this way and that way? Yeah. Do you ever look at how smoothly it's working, or do you just run it till it collapses? <laughs> the meditation. One thing about meditation is a way of servicing, servicing our energies, so energies become more balanced and steady. Servicing our cleaning out the residues of what we've been involved with. Some of the disappointments, or the upsets, or the failures, or just the shock that we go through every day of rushing around, this, that, this, that, this, that, in this kind of slightly dazed state. And uh, often we would come back from work, sit down, plonk yourself down, and have something to eat, watch the television, you know, go out for a while and go to bed. Mm. conk out. This isn't really servicing the, the inner core of it all. This is just the, like washing the car, maybe. But you know, actually getting into the engine and looking at whether it's running smoothly. Not addressing the, the, the core, the centre yourself. Meditation is very much about coming back to the centre. Mm. And uh, sometimes you can't hardly find the centre. It's so clogged up. <laughs> Just feels like a mess of kind of confused thoughts and, uh, and dullness, restlessness, you know, worry, doubt, fancying, hankering after this, that, and the other. Feeling a bit grumpy or upset. These are called the hindrances. So that. You know, they, one of the fundamental things we do in meditation is acknowledge some of this clutter. You know, whatever the topics are that, that cause it to arise, you acknowledge this is causing me suffering and stress. This is uh, messing me up. This is not something that's doing my life any good. Can I clear it? You have know, grudges or resentment about things other people have done, however justified those may be, you recognise you are holding on to those, it's not going to do you any good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how much time one spends worrying, it's because uh, we have these minds that can conceive of the future, how things should be, we can think about other people and we can have a variety of thoughts it could be this, it could be that maybe that would be better, maybe this would be better maybe this would happen, but on the other hand maybe that would happen because at the moment it's just an idea it's something that something hasn't happened so your mind can create just about anything out of it what you want is it to work out right, the best the way in which you'll feel comfortable, everyone else will comfortable the way it will give you the maximum benefit, least stress so this or that, that could go wrong, this could go wrong I'll do this and that, so you spend a lot of time worrying, doubting does this do you any good? how does it feel when you look at it directly? this is how we service we start to look at how we're directly experiencing really happening in the present moment I've certainly found in my my own life that uh, worrying is about something that hasn't happened so you can prepare yourself for something that hasn't happened and then it doesn't happen (laughs) what was all that about? I don't know if you ever get these states where you plan in your mind how you can defend yourself against other people's criticisms how you can justify what you've been doing against other people's criticisms you know, well let's do this and I'll do that and I'll figure that out know, this excuse and then I'll uh, I'll be very patient with them and I won't give ground yeah. if they say this I'll counter it with that if they accuse me of this Oh, I'll look at them calmly in the eye and say, "No, that's not true." You've got these plans worked out how, it's, how you're going to do it, and then it doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So worry, anxiety. Yeah. Maybe you're going to meet someone who's very important, big man. Yeah the teacher, the boss, the big guy and make sure he's going to get it right with him or her and make sure you're on top form with him or her. So plans, so you get quite nervous and intimidated and agitated to make sure you're getting it right and then you finally you make the meeting with the big the big person, the big man, the top woman or whatever it is and they say, how are you doing? Fine, ok, yeah, well, see you later <laughs> 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 and meeting Ajahn Chah was like that, Ajahn Chah, wow, the big boss, you know great authority, the supreme teacher, someone you've got to kind of defer to, very high attained he look at me and realise what a useless bag of rubbish I am. <laughs> <laughs> I can't meditate, I'm not very pure. When you look at me and you know that. I can't meditate, I'm not very pure. Oh goodness, what can I do? You know, to hide all my impurities. So then I got to meet Ajahn Cha and they just, just very kind. You know. Gave me an hour or so of his time, just playful and kind, and warm-hearted. All you know, this kind of fear and intimate fear of being wrong, a fear of being impure, fear of not being very good, just suddenly dissolved because, uh, you know, just what my mind can make up. Anxiety, worry. Generally, when I meditate particularly when I do meditation retreats in the early days I start to get plans of all the things I was going to do after the meditation session was over
1: you know I could,
0: I could maybe I'd look around the meditation and i you think know, there's another window in there uh-huh. A window in there and then you could Rearrange, eventually, if could rebuild, well, if we extend it, extend it another three meters, more room. I don't like the shape of this room, it's kind of wider and longer, that be better. It's plans, you know, the higher ceilings, skylights, and so lights coming through, plans and some these ideas. You know, so I could spend most of the meditation keep planning this, this thing that was never going to happen because the mind needed something to play with. I remember one, one uh, generally in a, as a monk, you make all your own, a lot your make all your own simple equipment, like your robes, your city cloth, your bag. And in one, one retreat, I looked look at my bag, you know, I'm fed up with my bag. Whenever I put my hand in a pocket, I can never find what I'm looking for, I'm always fumbling around. So I started in my mind to design the ultimate bag. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what went. Different pockets, zips, velcro, right size, you know spent out you know, several days and sitting every time I sit and meditate I come back to this bag would come into my mind. i would know. got it all figured out and I was gonna get the cloth and make it up. Perfect bag got to the end of the retreat I thought, right now I can do that thing make that bag I need a new bag so I said to the other monks, I want some cloth I need a new bag and so he said you need a new bag here's a new bag have this one <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the ultimate bag but I realised I didn't really need the best bag in the world anymore I didn't need a perfect bag, just an average bag was okay. Suddenly, you know, the the topic moved on. This kind of restless mind that imagines a thing you really need or could do, not just have this feeling of perfection about it. But then, you know, you recognise everything you've had and done Has any of it been perfect, absolutely perfect? If it hasn't, then what are the chances that the next thing you do or have will be absolutely perfect? (laughs) Not really, is it? But it will be okay, it will be good enough. It's something you can practically work with you start to see the kind of illusions the mind comes up with about the great thing you're going to have or the great place you're going to go so this is the restlessness and doubt these are some of the stuff that that attracts thoughts and ideas and pictures and images and plans and projects and grudges and doubts and people and events So, your whole inner space becomes absolutely dense. So, we meditate to to know this and also to know the cleaning away of it. When I was uh, before I began to meditate, then I was looking for something. What's I supposed to do? What, would I, what could I do that would be the really the, the right thing, the best thing, the good thing, the interesting thing the really worthwhile thing that would make me feel complete, fulfilled yeah. what would that be? so, yeah. go to university, thinking various careers, didn't like the sound of those I thought well I'll just, I'll wait for a while see what else comes up and I started travelling around, doing this and that and the other looking for something, to, to, somewhere to go, something to do, something to have, something to belong to you know, travelled all the way across uh, Europe then across uh, North Africa then across Asia from Turkey through to India and the funny thing was as I got to somewhere I'd get bored with it more more and more quickly as i got as I got something i would get fed up with it even more quickly, so it was like my mind felt absolutely stuffed full of experiences that I'd had, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find the right one, realizing none of them were the right one. And the experience of stuffing myself full of things was just making me feel sick and bored. <laughs> and I realized I needed to just empty it all out. Just let go of it all, clear it all out. You know? And I didn't really expect that much. I thought, well, you know, pull, you know, pull over into the... Meditation monastery and just kind of clean out for a few weeks and then uh, on to the next show, as it were. I thought a couple of weeks I ought to do it, then maybe three weeks, then maybe a month, then oh, well, seems to be quite a lot of work needed <laughs> here, clearing out maybe three months yeah. and uh, three months I started to recognize it's not you know it's not just the content of your mind that needs to change it's the habit of accumulating things it's the habit of seeking and accumulating and holding on it's not just you know, the sights and sounds and events and experiences it's also that, that underlying habit of grabbing and holding on and storing things up because that's what makes you feel always unfulfilled strange enough it's rather like drinking salt water the more you drink, I think it ought to quench your thirst funny enough you just want another one and uh, so there's nothing wrong really with sights and sounds and places and people and events and experiences and work and play it's this strange quality of grabbing them and accumulating and searching for them feeling hungry for more I mean if you could feel hungry for what and get enough that would be fine but I found out I never really quite got enough because as soon as I felt I got enough then for a little while mm, something fed up with that, something else yeah. it was like the itch never stopped, the more you scratched it it never stopped but it's a very compulsive itch and uh, one of the things uh you know? again, to so recognize just in order to help that was putting putting some balm on it putting some cream on that edge like calm and uh, kindness and uh, self-respect like, you know just taking it a moment at a time don't get caught up with success and failure just recognize that at least you're trying to do the right thing you're trying to clear things you're trying to not trying to accumulate, not trying to feel bad you're trying to do something, just rest in that the sense of integrity in what you're doing and I was very fortunate, very lucky in many ways because uh, in, a, in the monastery where I stayed the sense of integrity was very clear it, it was very clear and simple you know? it was just about keeping a few precepts Weren't that difficult? Not killing, not stealing, lying, refraining from sexual activity. That was a little bit difficult. But, you know, for a while, okay. Not eating in the evening, that was a bit difficult. But after a while, okay. It wasn't going to kill me. I could always recognize that, you know. Because I've been eating in the evening for years and I haven't felt blissed out by it, so. What the hell? Give it up.
1: Yeah.
0: So you know, just keeping the getting the sense of then your sense of your sense of responsibility and integrity to just keep that, and the rest of it you could kind of relax. Didn't really matter the rest of it. You, know, you didn't have to perform, create anything, build anything, make anything. Just just keep those precepts, just keep the precepts, and be present. It's incredibly. Um, generous offer that that is monastery made, and that's all that's required Just do that. Um, you know, but it was very much in line with the, the Dhamma, the Buddha's teaching of Dhamma, which is actually a very generous thing. It's very generous but it also the generosity of it and the openness of it makes it clear that now it's really your responsibility now it's your responsibility to really know yourself that's all you're being asked to do really is just to really know yourself clearly know clearly without worry, speculation, doubt know clearly when there's a skillful thought arises why it's good when there's an unskillful thought arises why it feels bad and know how to follow one and
1: let
0: go of the other. Yeah. So it's a very, very kind of clarifying, simple, I mean I'd learnt, i have been to university, I got a degree, so my mind was just full of incredible amount of intellectual knowledge, but I didn't really know clearly in myself, good and bad. I knew what was allowed and not allowed, I knew what was illegal and illegal, <laughs> I knew what you could get blamed for, but I didn't really know fully, clearly, you know, what good and bad feel like. I just knew them as judgments. You know, somebody says that's bad, okay, I'll do it. And uh, it's actually, you know, it's the Buddha himself. It was his second, he had three great realizations. It was the second one, Great Realization, was, that it was so this was a Buddha in his awakening when he first really, really understood good and bad. So no wonder I didn't understand it. And so in his moment of, uh, of enlightenment he really understood what good and bad were. They weren't just judgments. they weren't just something somebody else says. It wasn't just a matter of praise and blame and getting caught or, you know. You sense that there's a particular quality of energy that nourishes the heart, nourishes you. It doesn't deprive anything from anyone else. It's not like, I'm getting mine, this is good for me, but sorry, leaving you out of it. <laughs> It's holistic. You know, what's good when there's good in myself it's 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 for your welfare too. You could notice this particular energy. He said, you know, that dependent on that, people develop towards what's happy, bright, heavenly, sweet, serene, you know. So this leads to what we call a heaven realm, whether you believe in heaven or angels or whatever you believe in, but something of that nature becomes, the more you develop the good, there's a a sense in which your energy becomes less, uh, uh, becomes more bright, becomes lighter, your mind becomes clearer, you feel a continual sense of happiness. Happiness is not bound up with sights and sounds and tastes and touches an innate inner happiness I said therefore because it makes you feel good and it will continue to make you feel good and it will lead to your welfare I tell you do the good (laughs) I wouldn't tell you do good if it didn't do you good and if I didn't know that He said you look at the bad Whether you get, whether it's the uh, lazy or jealous, selfish, irresponsible, reckless, intoxicating ourselves, abusing our bodies, abusing other people, gossiping, slandering, accusing, however justified it may seem at the time. So do you do that? What does it do to you? And you know, what are the results. And it's sometimes why a Buddha really knows that is because they've actually come through all that cloud of hindrances, that cloud, that kind of mess that covers the mind, to to know the innate quality of mind. They know it really at its source. It's like when you've cleared all the surface. Marden leaves and algae from the pond you 've just got the clear water. you see very easily what uh, what contaminates it and what what makes it bright. sometimes sometimes people don 't see this you know? so we do unskillful things without even really knowing it. you know we kind of critic you know blame someone. You know? Ridicule somebody or kill a fly or whatever, it doesn't really matter. You sort of don't, you try and fiddle your taxes or, everybody does that. Have a drink now and then, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. Everybody does that, it's okay, it's a big deal, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, what good does it do? Mm -hmm. So, so it, it means that a lot of our unskillful things are often done in a state of distraction not really looking at long term results, long term consequences. So one of the things that you becomes, becomes more evident as you meditate, as you get clearer is that your sense of wisdom is not a matter of intellectual knowledge and learning, it's a matter of clear discernment about what's for your long-term benefit and what's just a short-term boost. When we always look for our welfare, we always look for our welfare, but sometimes it seems like, you know, having a few whiskies is going to make you feel good, and it probably does for a while. Until the morning after, and then you know, as that becomes a habit, as it can do, then over a period of ten years or so. So I've met people who are actually you know uh, frightened of the idea of being somewhere you can't have a drink, because it's so ingrained. What good did that do? You become dependent on something. Mm-hmm. Someone who can't spend an evening without a television on, otherwise they're gonna start going crazy. It's not that this is bad, but just noticing the consequences of not servicing yourself, not looking, not really not really strengthening yourself. A lot of what um we find as harmless pastimes and entertainments are relatively harmless, except what they do is they make mine lazy. You know, you sit back, there's uh, some movie going, you sit there, you, know. you don't take responsibility for anything. You sit, your kind of mouth drops open.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, somebody's doing things on the screen. It goes on for about three hours or so. Television adverts coming. You sit there, you know. It's kind of like a, they call it a couch potato. Because you sit there like a potato on a couch, brainless. Because that's the way we kind of try to get away from our incessant thinking minds, just to kind of call it vegging, becoming a vegetable. Veg out, they say, you're going to veg out, it's become a vegetable. So I don't have to be my incessant thinking, crazy mind, so I switch to television or watch a movie but what it does it makes the mind kind of passive because for those two or three hours you just sit there and you're completely passive mind doesn't, so it weakens, it generally weakens the mind because at that time you don't have to take responsibility you don't have to really be involved with in what's going on you can just kind of go slightly gar-gar, you know, witness it because it's no, there's no response, no response you know, somebody on, this, on the television is getting killed, you can't get, get up and defend them. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> you know, so your mind loses the sense of alertness and responsiveness. Hey, watch out, be careful. You know? When I was a little boy, you know, and I, went, I didn't really, my mind hadn't got that lazy, I was still, my mind was quite alert. So, they take me to a cinema and you see these uh, cinema, these films of the uh, cowboys and the Indians yeah. and you see some cowboy and you see an Indian waiting for him and I'd be saying, watch out, watch out, <laughs> <laughs> be careful, you know the cowboy on the screen, and so I was concerned for his welfare you know? and then somebody got hit and I started crying my mother didn't want to take me to the t- cinema anymore because I'd get too upset by it she said, it's only a film <laughs> it wasn't a film to me, it was real people You know, I saw this poor person getting killed on the screen I feel terrible, I said no he's not really dead he's just an actor <laughs> didn't look like it to me he got shot, he's lying down in a pool of blood I couldn't stand it it took me a few years to get that lazy and irresponsible <laughs> After oh, while well, I could manage if people were getting shot to pieces. So, so what? <laughs> then you get the funny thing when you watch the news, because you're still watching the screen, and it's, now they say this is this is real things, you know, like people in Haiti and there's tsunamis and hurricanes, and you go, oh yeah, right. Well, what's on the other channel? <laughs> So after a while, you can do that in your life. You look at other people. Oh well, look at him. What's on the other channel? <laughs> or you look at yourself. This is what I'm like. What's on the other channel? <laughs> so we sort of give up. Something that can give up. We get we get uh, lazy. We don't realise that we can actually directly affect ourselves in a, in a in a helpful way. and the process of meditation is a very interesting one of directly helping yourself because it's not like dramatically, suddenly, you know, zip when you're in this kind of bright illuminated state you sit down and you (laughs) switch the meditation on and boom, boom, boom you know, there you are, all lit up no, it's a much more slow process because it's not coming from the idea of fixing it's coming from the idea of first of all recognizing the fullness of your mind because it's only with that fullness of mind you get a genuine clearing, not a fake one not one we just impose something else on top yeah so you know it's not a matter of going somewhere and everyone saying you're really wonderful or you put on some Devotional music, and you get kind of happy, and God loves you, or whatever. And so, for this moment, you feel full up with it. That's wish it would be sometimes. But it's not just putting more icing on the cake, it's not just adding more things to it, it's actually the process of clearing out. And so, the first thing you have to do is, first of all, Find the full quality of mind that can do that, and your thinking mind can't do it. Thinking mind, which one developed and honed and energized, and put a lot of effort into, one thing it can't do: it can't clear. It can't. You can't let go of thoughts with thinking. You can't say to yourself, "I'll think about not thinking." <laughs> you can't say to yourself, "I'll think," you know, and, and change my feelings you can't do it so this brilliant thinking mind which can write documents and uh, construct things and plan the future and describe life on Mars brilliant thing we can't do much for ourselves (laughs) with it except maybe just take, get to ask a few questions like how are you feeling? what's going on? is it really that bad? Everyone feels like just little reminders, just to keep you there. And basically, it's not uh, the intellectual quality of the thought; it's the emotional quality of the thought that counts. Is it calm? Is it friendly? Do you give yourself a kind thought? To the point in which, it, finally, it's not brilliant thoughts; it's just very simple kind thoughts because it's actually it's not the thought it's the emotion that counts and you need perhaps you need a thought to direct the emotion to say you're okay now just another minute you'll be okay and just using the thoughts to direct the emotion so the heart opens up you get a sense of of warmth of uh, kindness towards what you're feeling this is very unusual because normally we like our dogs like our friends we feel warm towards people who are nice towards us and you, you come down to trying to feel warm about yourself I don't know how it is for you but you sit and think yeah Yeah, I'm ok I guess so what it <laughs> doesn't seem to work <laughs> It takes quite a bit of uh, practice to do that, because you you know it's kind towards yourself. You think well, what self? Where where am I? Where is she? Where am I? Where is he? Is it you know you go inside? There isn't any self there? Isn't somebody to be kind to? It's just the kind of confusing range of feelings and thoughts coming and going and moving all the time, and they're probably not particularly inspiring. Not the kind of thoughts you feel happy and encouraged by, there's some sort of dithering thoughts, wandering thoughts, strange feelings, funny emotions, nothing you really feel attracted to. But it's much, it's a different kind of love and warps. It's the warps rather like a, like a grandmother towards an infant. You know, it's kind of dribbling, falling over, but you have compassion for it. Because you recognise in that there's a sense of frustration, need, uncertainty, confusion, and if it was somebody else, you'd probably think,
1: oh, oh, oh yeah, oh well, well, you
0: know, you really want to help them, but when it's in yourself, you think, oh come on, oh don't be that way, oh, shut up stop it I want you to be, have something good be, be good you have this demand towards yourself to be something and the interesting thing is as we develop compassion towards ourselves one of the freedoms of it is at that particular moment you don't have to be anything you don't have to be that good you don't have to deserve it you don't have to be wonderful and bright and heroic and noble and and kind and peaceful and serene and sweet and dutiful and grateful and obedient, you could be a nasty mess. And there's the sense of compassion, sees something that's experiencing suffering and And wants to attend to that in a loving way that's the that's the particular kind of love that develops and it's of course the love that's the most beneficial isn't it I mean it's great people like you when you 're happy, but when you 're down and out that's when you really need some friends <laughs> you know. when you're sick and falling apart that 's when you need, really need some friends you don 't just want friends who like you when, you're, when you're you when you 're up so this uh, quality that we begin to develop more or less in meditation as we come into ourselves is actually the true friend. We become a true friend to ourselves, and become a true friend to ourselves, that quality of heart can then naturally extend towards others because that's the way it is. Yeah? Whatever how we change our own mind, our own attitudes, that's going to affect me, and it's going to affect others, internally and externally. You can't do it different ways, you know, it's the way the heart operates. So it's a very beautiful development. This is one of the senses we get, I was quite surprised actually because I imagine when I started meditating I'd get some enlightenment experience. The enlightenment experience would be mystical would be otherworldly, would be kind of some amazing space. Some cosmic sense of, cosmic consciousness would open up. I'd see immense beauty in a flower. I'd know the origins of the universe. I'd be one with God or the divine or the sublime, instead of which I'm sitting in this hut in Thailand Sweating, hot, feeling irritable, fed up, not feeling cosmic or <laughs> sublime, or at one, or knowing God, or I'm just knowing I want, I want to get out of here, <laughs> and then something eventually coming in going into my mind, going, "Oh, well it's okay, just yeah, and a sense of compassion rising, yeah. which is actually probably better than getting enlightened. You know. Better than having some something kind of otherworldly, real, pragmatic, useful development. Mm-hmm. So this is why we meditate. We meditate to service ourselves. We meditate to be a good friend to ourselves. We service ourselves and a good friend to ourselves. We know the need we all have yeah. to receive compassion, kindness. Mm-hmm. to not put stress upon each other, to live with respect and are starting to find out how to do it how to do life how to live
1: mm-hmm.
0: so there's never really an end to meditation because it's meditation is, is about being alive about being alive in, a, in, a, in the fullest way where you really see your, your mind starts to open up to its richest potential you experience gratitude before I've i experience experienced some gratitude you know Christmas times give me some presents I've experienced some gratitude for a 10 minutes 15 maybe and then so what, next thing but then, actually, through meditation, just recognizing you know the sense of just being able to be a human being, feel grateful for that, that I'm not a dog or a pig, when you look at the way the insects just get devoured and killed by the rain. You know, thank goodness I'm a human being you know. feel grateful for that, feel grateful for the sort of having a reasonable body, you know and uh, being alive, being able to just grateful, being able to have eyesight and yeah. be able to operate so and then you start to feel grateful for the, the gifts that have been given you know, the support, the house, the, fa- the food, the family, the upbringing that's been given and after a long while, you start to feel grateful even for the difficulties because they made you stronger. They made you grow. They made you work things out. They made you, you know, bring up your strength. And yeah, it's this is, so you start to feel grateful for life. Grateful and compassionate, kind. And then this is a fulfillment, isn't it? Because we can feel the sense of being filled with a the blessings of being alive, we also have that wish to share that, to to to, to use this life for our own welfare and for that of others. Mm-hmm. And actually when we start to investigate, as I did after a little while the Buddha's teaching, you can recognise actually this is what he meant by enlightenment. It wasn't some, you know, Something that's very practical. He said, "I teach you what generates suffering, and I teach you what gives the end, right, give, uh, brings it to an end. And it's just this noble path: <coughs> right view, knowing cause and effect, knowing what's good and what's bad, and following it. Right intention, really following that up. Right speech, trying to bring that into the way you speak and the way you refrain from speaking." Where you make little of other people's faults where you don't you know, develop the right speech, right action right livelihood, and of course this right mindfulness, which is the type which is the action the action of bringing yourself into presence of of witnessing your mind of establishing a firm foundation to to what to watch what's going on internally, and this is the one that was so it keep everything we do keeps coming back to this and we review it we review cause and effect we review our way life is going so it keeps the whole thing meditation it just becomes an integral part of being alive and being alive is a contemplation it's a meditation it's a learning process yeah? and uh, you, know, you see that certainly now I'm 60 Sixty years old, I am surprised, I never thought this would happen to me. Other people get to be sixty, but. Yeah. And it feels like just beginning. You know, it doesn't feel like, oh, well, you know, finishing, get to the end, it just feels like. still the possibility of developing, just beginning. Yeah. There's further, there's more, there's this sense of openness. What will the next moment bring? what will being really being old feel like what will dying will feel like that will be interesting and then what happens i finally get to know what happens when you die you know, that will be interesting too so that's the establishes a sense of faith and openness to the to the next moment this is also the blessings of meditation so just to give you this uh, encouragement you yeah. know it's a it's a slow, steady process. Uh, it's something that uh, you do it regularly. You never regret it. It Always give you the, the ground, the touchstone of reality in this funny old world, in which you can really know what to do, how to go about it, what's for your welfare. Mm. Does anyone have any, any questions or things they'd like to ask or comments? How was your meditation? Cosmic, fantastic, <laughs> blissful. Yeah. Yeah. how do you like your
1: meditation? I really like the guided meditation, especially the way you introduce how the breath, the whole body. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I've ever heard this. And it's very interesting because it it can ground the awareness very easily. Mm -hmm. And after a while, I I really feel like the breath is beating the whole body. It goes all the way up and then it goes all the way down to the feet. Mm, yeah, that's right. and you know, it's and ground, It grounds because it's interesting. Mm. And I feel that after a while, the, there's a sense like the breath is. it, it engulfs the whole mind. It's like mm. the breath covers the whole mind. Mm. And then after a while, I feel like the breath is within the whole mind. It's like the mind is itself rising. You know, it's rising yeah. with the breath. Yeah. Yeah. And then I felt, after a while, it was so calm, I felt like it was a, as the breath is rising and in the mind, like the mind itself is rising. It goes higher and higher and higher. Like the sense like on the hot air boom just mm. goes rising higher and higher. Mm. And I have to keep grounding. Because mm. the mind I feel the mind is like going higher and higher and I have to keep bring the awareness down to my heart so that I feel like it it's mm. still here. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know at that moment, do we stay aware of the mind? Do we stay aware of the breath? Or do we watch the awareness
0: that's aware of all this? Mm. Well, it's uh, seem interesting that you seem to know what to do. Uh, you know, grounding yourself. Uh, But uh, we use a word like the mind, and I wonder what we mean by that word. What what do I mean by
1: the mind? Mind. Um, The mind is aware of that breath. the mind that's almost like, yeah, Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean.
0: Right, right. <laughs> so it's a form of mental consciousness, conscious of the breath, mindful, aware of the breath. Yeah, so, um, what may.
1: You
0: know, when you describe it, I think it's a very interesting description, but it does um, point out that the breath is an energy, it's not air. Yeah, it's called the air element, but the Buddha said the. Air element passes through the limbs, so obviously, you don't, your lungs aren't in your legs, but so you're talking about the chi, really, or the yeah, energy. So, the, the breath or the breathing process, it's not just the movement of air, it's the whole breathing pro- process is in mean, the Buddha's understanding, is called the, the central channel, the central agent of the whole body. You can recognise it's the most important bodily function, <laughs> you know? uh, and what it does is it, it um, it's a continual energy governor. So, you know, the breathing will naturally with it comes a kind of energy that spreads over the whole body, it goes to the nervous system. You could say it like that if being anatomical about it. Now, energy and awareness are. Um, conjoined, where there's awareness there's energy, where there's energy there's awareness so notice if you give your attention to something the, the, the energy of that will build up so for example if you give your attention to a particular thought or topic of concern, that becomes very big you know, it becomes dominant it becomes luminous, becomes obsessive you know? because what's happening is you give awareness to something, it puts energy into it so that's you know, so well, we have to be very careful <laughs> what we put energy into and also how we put energy in. If we get excited, that's a big push, kick, throwing energy in. If we've got neg- negativity, there's a sourness, the energy that goes in. If you look at something with a hostile mind, you put negative energy into it. If you look at something with a critical mind, you put negative energy into it. Yeah? Now, you know, if these things are just purely outside you, the effect may be minimal, but when it's in your own nervous system, the effects are very immediate and very strong. You know, so you have a negative attitude towards yourself that actually poisons, you know. it's toxic. Because the neg- it's a neg- negative energy it has that effect, yeah. So you regard yourself with a critical mind then you, you you will feel a negative result of that. Um now some forms of awareness and energy are much more less obvious than that. Um, we can feel slightly excited, you know, so you get a sense of really, you know, going up, 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 up. So and that can be uh, a certain emotional quality it means we, we lose groundedness. So it's gotta be something that's just much more calm, um. <laughs> so quiet, steady, take it easy, moment at a time, yeah. and that is so the, um, the instructions on mindfulness of breathing is, is first of all you get the long breath which means you use the breathing to open up the whole energy channel, so you breathe from the base of your body and let it flow up all the way. Sometimes you can even feel it in your eyes or your head, you yeah. know. And then then you, so then it becomes what the short breath, which is when the the breathing quietens, so it becomes less pronounced, it becomes shorter, finer, subtler. Uh, and then he says that the main inclination then is you, you know how the you you know and that's affecting your whole body, and then your intention is calming, because once you once it's affecting your whole body, it's bright enough. It's already bright, you know. Uh, and then, so there can be an emotional excitement or enthusiasm that occurs when you suddenly find yourself brightening up. Oh, this is great! Oh, wonderful! Wow! I feel good. You know, well, this is really interesting, isn't it? Uh, uh, but then, if that input keeps happening the energy gets pumped up and it starts to become like a hot air balloon you're starting to you know, float off the, gro- off the ground this is called rapture, piti uh, it's a sense of delight and uplift so the, the encouragement is once you start to sense the whole body in the breathing as you quietly relax, soften. Take it slowly, quiet and down. Now this can mean just in terms of your attitude, uh, in terms of uh, looking to where your your energy is most grounded and as you instinctively understood, you you come down to the the centre of the body just below the navel, there's a tan tien down there. That's going to be much more grounded than, than your eyes or the top of your head, so you go down. And then also you go to the, looking into the, uh, the perhaps into the out breath, the sort of softer, fading aspects of the breath. Just
1: the out breath.
0: Yeah, or just at the, or particularly the places where the breath fades, is quieter. Mm-hmm. So you look towards the quieter signs that you can experience, mm-hmm. yeah, the softer signs, yeah. the less thrilling signs. Mm-hmm. So then the mind, the whole process see, is, is where the mind and the body begin to unite. The body, when we talk about the body, we mean this nervous energy body, not, not the physical form, but the inner channels of energy you know, that we feel, our felt body as you said, you know, sometimes it seems your breath is inside your mind and maybe your mind is inside your breath mm-hmm. and then you, which is which what it happens they start to merge mm-hmm. you have something that's not exactly a body, not exactly a mind it's mm-hmm. just like a an energy mm-hmm. that has an emotional effect it has a, a, a somatic effect mm-hmm. it means you feel kind of very much in your body but it's not the same body it's something like a could feel it like light or it could feel like a sphere it doesn't feel like this thing you can see with your eyes so then, so then the two begin to merge and there's an overall feeling, what will help the merging is a greater degree of ease or calm just being contented, not putting too much energy into it sort of resting back a bit and so they begin to merge into something called uh of uh, what one phrase, one pointedness it means everything has come together and this is uh what we mean by samadhi or concentration it's not an act of concentrating the mind through your head you know like you concentrate on a puzzle it's a state of unification of body and mind where you feel really steady and uh, you feel kind of complete Mm. so but then that particular you know piece you know it's often is this a wavering because you know sometimes you're trying to figure it out or is it this or is it that or should I do this or is it more of that or am I aware of it or is it aware of me or you know which is which so you just got to drop the the terms and the ideas and just just Go to the go to the good feeling. Okay. You know, so you focus, you let yourself go into the the good feeling, this is quiet and contented and easeful And then, mm-hmm. as you go to that feeling, you can just kind of sense, because in that 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 particular experience, then you have experiences that are really mental, but they may have. Um, Sensory quality to them. Sometimes it seems like light, but it's not in your eyes. Sometimes it seems like warmth, but it's not physical. Sometimes it seems like space. You know, whatever it seems like, you just, you know, it's it's just it's just a sign. And just kind of let yourself rest in that. However, it manifests for you because it's always going to be different different people. So, if you're trying to get it like it says in a book or somebody else says, then your mind is always in doubt is it this, is it that, is it that? am I there, then you just forget it. <laughs>
1: how it's like a good friend. Um, I had experience before where it was, the breath was like very separate from the body. And that was precisely how I felt. That, oh, it's really like a good friend. This is, I, I just felt that mm-hmm. being a good friend. Mm-hmm. But what do I, when you say to rest, what do you mean by resting if that was a feeling that I got? The breath being, not with the body, but it's, it's like separate, but it feels i like
0: Where is the body then?
1: I can feel it. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was like the breath was not part of the body.
0: So what are you experiencing?
1: Very nice, very... Mm-hmm.
0: Sensations, feelings, physical feelings.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I couldn't feel the body, but the breath was just like... Mm-hmm. not do it, but it feels good. Mm-hmm.
0: And,
1: the first, and the thought that comes to the mind was... It's really nice, huh? like... I'm very good Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let yourself be uh, held by your good friend. Give yourself over to it, just like you know if you're a little little girl, and you could just jump into your father's arms <laughs> just. <laughs> No, just go go into it. It's much more like giving yourself away to it, giving yourself.
1: So does that mean focusing your
0: attention on breath? It's a more an emotional move. It's not a movement of attention. It's a movement more of intention. So first of all, one's intention is probably to notice, to be clear, that faculty, you no know, clarity. So that's your intention: is to keep witnessing and watching what's going on when yeah? we meditate. Yeah? That's part; that's definitely part of it. But there's also the experience of enjoyment. Enjoyment is a very important thing to um, develop in meditation because it's a very uh, enjoyment means. That you just get, you just let yourself go into it. It's that intention.
1: Yeah, but um, certain rules are read that when you enjoy it and you let yourself go into it, you get yourself, yeah, you know, like um, attached to it, and oh. you come to a stagnant stage.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: let <laughs> I mean, not be the guys the books. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, those books. <laughs>
0: well, what do you know, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't want really to get attached to being happy, do you?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the.
0: You know, if you look at the Buddha's description of, um, you know, someone who just um, finds every part of their body is, is suffused and drenched with a happiness born of non-attachment so you just, you know, that's a very enjoyable experience you know? maybe you do get attached to it but if you do, then you you know you go, it disappears. So it's a very, it's a very immediate uh, um, indicator of, of that particular um, energy. You know, if you grab it, it's, it becomes no longer so soft and beautiful. It becomes, you know, it's, it's a wrong energy because it's a very direct. You know, when you come into that, that's that level of mind you get very immediate feedback on the kind of energy you are putting in because you feel it the energy of your intentions, you feel them they have a direct result so if your intention is, is grasping, you'll feel it and it doesn't feel nice at all if your intention is just allowing, allowing yourself to feel the way you feel letting go not uh, hesitating Trusting it, you'll feel results of that. At this stage, then, would
1: you want to remind yourself okay, this is in common, this is
0: uncertain? (laughs) Uh, You could do, but I I, I suggest for what you're you know, what in the way you're, you're, you're trying to do is is to do it and at the same time know it. Like you've got the book and you're checking it out. Yeah, this right, okay. Actually you've got to let go of knowing, of that kind of knowing. Yeah. Trust it. My recommendation: if it's a friend, you can trust it. If it. Feels like a friend, you can trust it. If it feels like something, you know, weird and mysterious, and and uh, and you know, take that has got a strange energy to it, don't trust it. If it feels like something that's getting you spaced out, or, or Losing ground and losing touch with things. Don't trust it. If it's something that actually feels that you're getting the sign of this is this is you know, a good friend. What's your response to a good friend? You don't say, "Well, oh, you well, okay." You, you, just, you know, just be grateful for it. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very simple heart response.
1: Can one then use um, this experience from the meditations applied in the daily life, like um, when everything just goes so smoothly in your life, and we feel very happy, and it's a uh, the kind of feeling is very light, very satisfying, very satisfying. But then back remind the your mind, you know, okay, people laugh, <laughs> but you just feel happy. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, like, because, mm. like, like us as parents, when things go on well, you know, because the most important thing in our life is also, I mean, one of the most important things our children, the way our children grow mm. up. Mm. And very often when I look back, I say, Yeah, you know, my kids have gone and I've grown up very well. I'm very blessed and it's a very nice kind of feeling within It's that kind of feeling is it's almost like you know, a momentary feeling of how it was like the calm station, the meditation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So advice for, to apply this
0: in our daily life? Well, you see the experience of impermanence is not it will come to an end one day but that right now it's already impermanent because right now it's continually shifting uh, it's like we experience these waves, subtle waves that's what we're experiencing, we experience happiness, it's ripples, it's waves it's flows, it's flushes, it's warps, it's got a certain you know, flooding, flowing quality to it so that, that's uh, the experience of impermanence in, in, you know, in meditation so you know, when you do are feeling happy, it doesn't mean you're feeling happy, don't hang on to it because one day it'll end it means when you're feeling happy you can feel also the impermanence of that and that's what makes it so beautiful because it's like it's a poignant quality of, this, this is just a moment at a time fresh, bright changing, playing just like shining water with ripples on water it's p- the impermanence of it that actually makes it like, a certain kind of fresh happiness not a sticky happiness it's called the happiness of non-attachment so when you see impermanence in the happiness, it doesn't mean a sense of, uh, well, it means, this is just for the moment, be with this, because it's all changing right now. But it, the, the happiness is then purified of the stickiness of hanging on. You know. The Buddha said it's a special kind of happiness, it's not a sticky happiness of, of the sense pleasures, it's the, the bright happiness that comes with wisdom. And he said, You can trust this happiness. And he recommended, his monks said, Don't be frightened of this happiness. Because they were all kind of like, You know, pleasure, happiness, we don't want any of that stuff, mm-hmm. you're serious. And he said, No, I recommend this, I encourage this, you should go into this. Uh, because it is not a happiness that is subject to contamination. It's a happiness that is a sign of your own. Potential, your own, your own freedom. Being free is happy. You know, it's supposed to feel you feel happy, <laughs> but the same when it's impermanent, it means it's just like the rippling of the wind, you know, the breeze or the movement of splashing water or the flickering. It's like that. So in a way, you know, what will happen is if you, if you go into it, that you you, you know. In time, it takes time, something is' okay it's, it's that, isn't it and you something you actually your energy starts to settle to an even deeper level. Think, this is kind of happy, but actually this is even nicer <laughs> you know this is really nice, this is soft it's steady but even then as you as you settle to that.
1: You know,
0: you notice even that is slightly shifting, slightly moving doesn't mean it's bad, doesn't mean get rid of it, it just means that's the way it is and it's through that process you have to you learn through direct experience rather than from the carrying with you an idea of impermanence which is as an idea it's an indirect experience, as a concept you learn from direct experience, there's nothing to be frightened of in that nothing to feel you're making a mistake you have, something has to learn through, through this process. There's a sounds of maturing that occurs. It's rather like the learning of meditation is more like a maturing rather than the learning. Something that you just seasons and you, you grow beyond, the, you know, you gradually grow deeper and wider and deeper and wider until these things no longer your mind doesn't stick there so that's that sense of dispassion which sounds a pretty cold word but dispassion is actually a very beautiful uh, openness not being flustered by anything and with that then of course you can dispassion means you can be with the unpleasant as well as the pleasant your mind isn't holding things, so it doesn't get the same hit when pain touches you, or displeasure touches you. It's just, it's got that ability of space that allows it to just pass through. Then pain is rather like a knife cutting a cloud, it's just and it doesn't stick in your bones, you know, it doesn't stay in your heart and probe there, just, you feel it, but it's gone. You know? the heart is mature to this open uh, spaciousness. There's no substance there for it to be hit anymore. (laughs) That's freedom.
1: So it's it's actually um, basically using that circumstance as an opportunity for one to practice your clear awareness uh, in our daily life? Yeah, yeah
0: there's no, I mean in a way, the process will occur by itself there's not a lot you have to do, but just drink it in rest in it, drink it in, and it actually if it works on you <laughs> it works on you and it make, I think it makes you more um, fresh, open, bright, less cautious, but not reckless um, less ideas, less plans, less, you know, and yet the joyfulness there, you know, strange joyfulness there. Yeah.
1: Yes, in the practice of. Awareness of sight. I was experimenting on it myself. Watching. Not taking note intentionally, but... I was actually experimenting when I was driving today. Um, Mm -hmm. Just taking note of whatever that passes by. Speed limit, 80. I was different signs of the cyclists passing by and I was just practicing, experimenting like just being aware of one after another and I noted that at that split second, split the uh, second I was taking note, there was no thoughts rising mm-hmm. and the body kind of good. So, is that what it is? I mean,
0: about uh, training oneself to be aware of the sense of sight? Well, it's, uh, I think, one of the results of, of, of cleaning out is that you don't have to keep thinking things in order to know them. You know, you've got a sensitivity and awareness and a, and a responsiveness that's it's, it's subtler and quicker than thought. So you don't have to keep thinking things because something in you operates more finely than that. You know, if you imagine uh, uh, someone walking a tightrope. I bet they don't think about doing it and how they're going to do it. It's much too clumsy. You've just got to be on the ball and then some, your whole body knows what it's doing. Your eyes know and your body knows, the whole sense, all, every nerve ending knows how it operates. You look at how a monkey moves through the trees, it doesn't figure it out. <laughs> You know, there's a lot in this that's quicker than thought. Thought, although uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a very handy faculty, is by no means the um, determinant of intelligence, of real, real acute intelligence, which is much more sensitive than that. But because we tend to override everything with thought, it's almost like you get to the point where thought's the only form of intelligence that's left. Yeah. <laughs>
1: very sensitive also to external energies especially when we go to like crowded places sometimes it can be challenging because um we sickness and aches and pains and all kinds of energies from surrounding so I wonder how I've done a channel those this How do you handle the environment of energy that you are aware of that comes not only from them but also from the surrounding, especially the small Mm and close place?
0: Well, you learn how to um, seal it off, you learn how to close.
1: Please tell me how you do
0: (laughs) it. Well, I guess one thing is, first of all, you 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 find your center. I think one of the as you contemplate, as you develop, one of the things you've got to be aware of when when there's energy and, and uh, it's a suffusive quality, it's a suffuse and spread. So you have to practice in your meditation that sense of suffusion and also the sense of the center. Going back to the center. You know, so particularly breathing, you know, breathing out, breathing in, so try to not lose contact with your centre. This seems to be um, a particular piece that you might need to work on if you find yourself going right up and right out. You know, is to remain in the centre. The centre is the quietest place. It's the steadiest place, everything else there's to the flow out flow in from it, so somewhere in there there's a quieter, steadier place, yeah. and it may not immediately attract our attention because we our attention may be more attracted to the more you know spacious, lively stuff. It, this, is the, this is the problem with pity or rapture. It tends to get a little bit fizzy, and you can go out. <laughs> You come back to the centre the is the quietest place. Uh, also, what the, the usefulness of really um, bonding that um, breath energy into the into the body is? You're almost putting it right back into the meat and bones. You know, so you know, as you, so particularly when you come out of meditation, or you seem to come out of meditation, make sure that you really feel the last few minutes you come back into the physicality of the body as if you are almost you know, putting everything back into the body and most especially the lower abdomen as if you are gathering everything back in there as if you are pulling everything back into there pulling is too strong a word but gently drawing everything back and feel out the physical, the skeleton, the structure of the body and the skin so you have the centre and the skin um, and around the edges of the body, as a sense of uh, just uh, uh, shielding, closing it. So it's an attitude. It's an attitude such as that, for example, if in a room and three people are talking over the side of the room, they've got something private going. I don't listen to what they're saying. I don't want to eavesdrop on their conversation. So I, I, I sort of close it off. Yeah. Um, you know. Rather like that, it's almost like a sense of emotional withdrawal of not not concern, you know. And it's not aversion; it's almost a sense of privacy. You know, this is my, be in my space, and you can be in your space. And we, it's not aversion; it's a sense of of privacy, you might say. That's very important to uh, to to practice like that, so even when you, when you come out of meditation you open your eyes and you stay in the centre feel you know, your own specific physicality you know, as something that's separate you know. when you move around if you're walk, moving around in uh, public places be aware of the moving feeling of your body moving around that's why it's better to walk than drive a car, <laughs> actually, because it gives you more grounded. Yeah. feel the soles of your feet and the palms of your hands then so you and get grounded that way, and avoid the uh, avoid too much eye contact, so keep your eyes instead of putting regular the eyes downcast It's not looking at your toes, but it's just like as if you're putting. From main beam, and the car on to dip. <laughs> so it's just kind of uh-huh, as if you're so looking at the space in front of you. You know, like was that, was that meter, two meters ahead? As if you're walking in a particular bubble. This is your immediate concern because this is what you're going to be affected by. And you get peripheral concerns, but you most you, know, you keep that sense of a bubble around you. You're within that. So, I, visual restraint is very important, and uh, uh, trying to feel feel the movements of your body as you walk around, and also a sense of of emotional withdrawal, not interested just in here. And all that will help to seal seal your energy in. Because I feel the body is not just here; anything you that
1: the body extends much
0: well your energy body does oh, oh because I always
1: had that thought that yeah. it's not just it's, it's far wider. wider so sometimes when it's too close I feel like this it yeah. unalends yeah. Yeah. me yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. like what yeah so you have an energy field around the, uh, the the physical body sits inside an energy field that's produced or it's, it's that's contiguous or comes along with the body. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. so I don't just feel it in the
0: body. Is that what you It's more a matter of attitude and intention and awareness. Mm. Yeah. Attitude, intention, awareness, so in a sense they're just not not part not interested, not take, not you know, not involved and Coming back to this, so uh, it's coming back to the center because so you have these, you know, like th- at least three different loops of energy, are, you know, that associated with the body. You know, one going round and going up and down and spiraling out. So there's this immense, kind of radiant quality of energy. Um, they could even photograph it, you know. Living living tissues, when something is alive, that's one of the distinctions between living and dead things. Is live tissues, you know, radiate energy. Dead stuff doesn't it goes flat. So, and of course, for different people can have enormous energy fields or fairly reduced energy fields. This is why you know when you see Buddhas, they have this aura. That's their energy, energy field. Um, so, you know, sometimes for people it is you know extended or bright or and meditation will tend to brighten it up. Mm. But you have to learn how to handle it because uh, um, you know it's sensitive.
1: Yeah. So. It's more painful than a physical <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: That attitude and intention is is very important.